Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number, if you want to call in, 877-973-7425. This just breaking from Fox News. U.S. intelligence assessment says more than 4,500 Russian soldiers have been killed in Ukraine since the war began over 10 days ago. That's more than the number of Americans killed during the Iraq war. The estimate, however, was made with low confidence. Ukrainian government says its forces have killed more than 11,000 Russians since the first day of the invasion. That does not appear to be so. It sounds like it's more about 4,500. Now, uh, speaking of the Russians in Ukraine, they've been bogged down in the mud, and the Russian gas convoy has come in to try to fill up the tanks that got back down the, bogged down in the mud, and the Russian uh, oil convoy is now bogged down in the mud. Uh, there is a you'll hear a lot of people who want to sound smart talk about the Rasputata. Uh, Rasputata. I thought they were mentioning Rasputin at first, but nope, it is the Ukrainian uh, fall and spring. The fields get very, very, very muddy, and this winter there was never a hard freeze, and so the fields got even muddier. So basically, Ukraine's a giant swamp right now, and the Russian tire treads aren't very good to begin with, and they've gotten stuck. Now, to the phones on this issue. Lance, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program, Lance. Yeah, now hits just keep on coming, don't they? Sure do. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's my thing about the whole convoy and all those Russian vehicles, which um, I'm tied to a couple of Ukrainian sites where it's unbelievable how much equipment they have lost. And the equipment's very expensive, and I won't go into that. But my main thing is, uh, as a former tank crewman, I'm just wondering where the A-10s are. And uh, I know we could uh, give them about 30 of them and paint them up in uh, Ukrainian colors. And um, (laughs) we just put some – now, I don't know about their pilots, but uh, my friend told me that they shot down four jets the other day and the people they captured uh, from them, the jettison, was a 20-year-old, a 21-year-old, and a 22-year-old. Now, it, um, I don't know about training or anything like that, but I know there's A-10 pilots out there frothing at the mouth of yeah, a convoy. Okay. So I, I got to tell you, <laughs> well, I can't really tell you, but I, I'll, I'll put it in polite terms. A buddy of mine is a retired A-10 pilot, and he called me the other day. He says, man— I, can I just say something to you that nobody appreciates my, 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 my sense of humor, but but you will. It's like, what? He says, this is like Viagra for me, watching this 40-mile convoy of tanks. I want to be in my A-10 so bad. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Um, I, was, I was with, it was called JAWS back then, Joint Attack Weapon System, where they're using coordination with tanks. I helped to open up the Mojave Desert as a desert training center, 1979, where they first brought the A-10s in. And I remember looking up saying, oh, I think the day of the tank is really kind of not going to be happening. Because I talked to one of the pilots, and they told me basically they can take about, they can take out about 55 tanks if nobody sees them in five minutes. That's pretty much. Yeah, and, you, you know, um, Lance, I, I heard over the weekend that with the Javelin missile system that we've depl- allowed Ukraine to deploy, they have, out of 300 missiles fired, destroyed 291 Russian tanks with the Javelin missiles. 
Oh, uh, as a matter of fact, have you heard about St. Javelin? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I have. Now, I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you there that a buddy of mine who's a very devout Catholic is furious over that, that it's it's disrespectful to Our Lady. But I personally, yeah. I want the sticker for the back of my car. <laughs> now, just one last thing about the A-10. Um, the GAL, I forget the number of it, the GAL 80 or whatever, the, the, the Gatlin gun on the plane. Yeah was actually built by General Electric, and they just built it. They didn't know what it was going to go in. They just <laughs> said, okay, so what do we do with it now? And so they got to the Air Force, and the Air Force was like, we don't know. And so basically the plane was built around the gun. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's such <laughs> a yeah, – listen, Lance, I appreciate the phone call. That that Hang on a second. Um, that reminds me um, as – yeah – um, a ten, yes. So there's a there's a military humor site called Duffel Blog, and they have one of the greatest. <laughs> I just I got to read this to you since we're talking about the we're not talking about what I was going to talk about. I have finally this is an opinion piece written. Now you need to understand Duffel Blog is a military humor site. This is an opinion piece written by Specialist Herbert Panzine, U.S. Army. I have finally found the strength to admit it. I was 12 years old when I realized I'm not really a man at heart, but rather I identify as a 19-foot, 10.5-inch-long Gatling gun strapped onto a 24,959-pound airframe. All my life has been a lie, but I'm setting that right today. I was designed to kill Soviet tanks. From now on, call me Warthog. That's my real name. I've had a plastic surgeon attach a GAU-8 Avenger 30-millimeter rotary cannon, 1,200 pounds of titanium armor, and two General Electric TF-34 GE-100 turbofan engines to my body. Sergeant Major Fairchild says I'm stupid and I can't be a jet, but I am beautiful and I am a jet. (laughs) If the Army won't pay for me to get the surgery... I'm just going to bring in Code Pink and point out that that Manning loser got hormones and he's in prison. So why shouldn't a perfectly well-adjusted and honorably serving soldier have the right to be who they truly are, a metal-killing machine? (laughs) That's still one of the greatest pieces ever written. I sexually identify as an A-10 Thunderbolt. Amen. (laughs) All right. Now, we can transition from that into what I was going to talk about, which is very cheerily the end of the world. All right, so a couple of stories here that will just make you fretful, but you need to stick with me. The Russia-Ukraine war has turned Egypt's food crisis into an existential threat to its economy. Europe's food security, Egypt's food security crisis. Uh, is an existential threat. The fragile state of Egypt's food security stems from its agriculture sector's inability to produce enough cereal grains, especially wheat and oil seeds, 
to meet even half of the country's domestic demand. Cairo relies on large volumes of heavily subsidized imports to ensure sufficient as well as affordable supplies of bread and vegetable oil for its 105 million citizens. Securing those supplies has led Egypt to become the world's largest importer of wheat and among the world's top 10 importers of sunflower oil. In 2021, Cairo was already facing down food inflation levels not seen since the Arab Springs of unrest a decade earlier that toppled Hosni Mubarak. After eight years of working studiously to put Egypt's economic house back in order, the government of Abdel Fattah al-Sisi is now similarly vulnerable to skyrocketing food costs. The Russia-Ukraine war catapulted prices to unsustainable levels for Egypt, increasing the price of wheat by an additional 44% and of sunflower oil by 32% virtually overnight. Even more troublesome, the war threatens Egypt's physical supply itself since 85% of its wheat comes from Russia and Ukraine, as does 73% of its sunflower oil. With activity at Ukraine's ports at a complete standstill, Egypt needs to find alternative suppliers. A further escalation that stops all Black Sea Black Sea exports could also take Russian supplies off the market. So the world, people are already starting to say a good portions of the third world are going to be in famine soon because Ukraine is not just Russia's breadbasket, it is the world's breadbasket. Outside of the United States, Ukraine grows the most wheat. And it can't plant its fields because there are Russian tanks and bombs in them. Concurrent to that, this is from the Telegraph. The Russian invasion of Ukraine could be devastating for uh, tuberculosis control in Eastern Europe and will cause a terrible public health tragedy. Oh, look there. It's Dr. Fauci warning about this. Ukrainian reports or Ukraine reports roughly 30,000 new TB cases annually and has one of the highest rates of multi-drug-resistant tuberculosis in the world. According to the World Health Organization estimates, Ukraine has the fourth highest tuberculosis incidence rate among the 53 countries of the World Health Organization European region. The war could be devastating, quite frankly, Dr. Fauci told The Telegraph in an exclusive interview. As a public health scientist, as a health official, as an infectious disease expert, I'm very worried about this disruption. He criticized the indiscriminate attacks on the Ukrainians, adding hospitals being moved to cellars, clinics having to close, are going to have a terrible impact on TB and other diseases, HIV, infectious diseases of children, and other transmitted diseases. Y'all, this is a problem. And many of you are looking at this And I know because I see the emails. Does this mean like we're we're on the glide path to the apocalypse? The four horsemen of the apocalypse seem to be unleashed. The book of Revelation talks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Conquest, war, famine, death. The Old Testament with Ezekiel, their sword, famine, and plague, and wild beasts. People are actually worried about this. People are really worried. And I just, I, just a word for you here. Everybody's got a worldview. Y'all all know what my worldview is. I, I'm, I'm unapologetically Christian. Been in seminary. 
But I think sometimes we too easily want to look at bad things that happen and say must be the end times. People looked at 9-11 that way. People looked at World War II that way. People looked at World War I that way. People looked at the Civil War that way. People look at things through that worldview, and oftentimes you see what you want to see. There's a lot of discombobulation in the world, and we've had an easy go of it. I will tell you, just just not to, to discredit myself, but I'm an amillennialist, not a premillennialist. I'm way more premillennialist though than postmillennial, but but amillennial, these things are just they're going to happen. The world will come to an end. You don't know when. And I honestly think that we're not supposed to worry about it. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Worries a sin. And we're all freaking out about, oh, my gosh, Ukraine. Look at what's happening to Ukraine and the Russians. And, and you know, there, there's going to be hard times, and we shouldn't deny that. There's no reason to be Pollyanna about all of it. Yes, uh, commodity prices are going up. Food prices are going up. Gas prices are going up. Your 401K is going down. Your retirement is going to be affected. You will have greater obligation to your family. Make sure, if you can, put yourself in the best financial position you can be in. Pay down your credit cards if you can. Be responsible. But don't think the world's coming to an end. I saw some guy online yelling at Elon Musk that he wiped out his kid's college fund betting on Dogecoin, a cryptocurrency that Elon Musk uh, supported, and now it's crashed. And the guy's bitter at Elon Musk for suggesting people invested in it. Why? Why did you listen to him about cryptocurrency? Why did you not do your own research? Except people do their own research, and what they do is they go online and find people to tell them exactly what they want to hear and justify their decisions. Be responsible. If anything else, if there's a silver lining in what's happening right now, it may make some people have to grow up and also may make people realize they got to take responsibility for themselves. You can't rely on Uncle Sam and the global economy for you and your family. You've got to take some matters into your own hands. You can't be a kid about it and live in dependence on others. But also, don't fret about stuff you can't control. Don't worry about anything. You can't control the outcome of what's happening with Russia. You cannot tell Vladimir Putin what to do. Be responsible about it. Be mindful of it. But don't fret about it and don't worry about it because it's all part of a bigger plan you can't see anyway. Hello there. It's Eric Erickson. The phone number, 877-973-7425. I am going to go to Samuel, who my producer tells me has a good question. How are you? Samuel, you there? I'm going to let Charlie check on that one. Uh, sorry, I mean, the, the question was about the gas prices in the, in the futures market, and I was prepared to answer just so you guys understand what the situation is uh, with the futures market. Uh, so when you buy oil, crude oil, you're buying on a futures market, and it's essentially you're you're placing an order to buy a product on a date certain, and you got you're responsible for delivery. And the reason the price is going up, though the supply has not been uh, changed, you have to remember that it's not just cars and trucks that need oil. There are lots of petroleum-based products out there, including in Europe and in some parts of this country, including New England. Uh, heating oil. 
for homes. And that drives up the cost. So if you think there's a big cold wave coming, that changes things. But also with these disruptions in Europe uh, from this invasion and Russia is redirecting some of its reserves out of Western Europe, that means Western European and American oil has to be purchased instead. And that directly impacts the market. Uh, So, yes, it's a futures market, and yes, the supply right now is the same. But remember, it's future bet. It's not you're buying oil today. You're buying oil for the future, and you're trying to ensure you get it uh, even though there's instability. And all of that global instability always causes the oil futures markets to skyrocket uh, because who knows what's going to happen in the future. Uh, You can't predict the future, and it looks like it's chaotic times. Uh, We could, if we expanded supply in this country, bring it down. Now, to be fair, we would not be bringing it down a massive amount. But anything right now would be better than what we have. The amount of, of gas and petroleum out there and the cost of it right now is deeply disruptive to our overall economy. And the Biden administration is fine with that if it dissuades you from buying less gas. But some people have no choice. Like, I did not have to come into the city today. I could have done the show from the bunker in my house, but I had an appointment I wanted to keep. I didn't want to cancel it, and so I did. But I could have canceled it if I didn't want to pay the gas price, but a lot of people, most people, in fact, can't. And it doesn't just have an impact on them. It's got an impact across uh, bus services, public transportation, airplanes, All these things, ticket prices are going to go up. It's going to get very expensive to travel in this country. Now, one of the things that has not yet gone up in cost, and I don't expect it to, is Omaha Steaks. You get 57% savings on their Omaha sampler right now. Your grocery store prices are going up. But the Omaha sampler from Omaha Steaks has been price stable, and it's fantastic. And you get 12 burgers for free. That's right. 12 burgers for free. Now, they're not just your standard hamburger meat from the grocery store. These are the Omaha Steak Burgers. They're fantastic, and you get them for free. Along with the Omaha Sampler, you get butcher cut fillets, you get boneless pork chops, boneless chicken breasts, gourmet jumbo franks, all beef meatballs, caramel apple tartlets, the Omaha Steaks signature seasoning. You get it all by going to omahasteaks.com. And you put Eric in the search bar, E-R-I-C-K. Put it in the search bar. And you'll see the Omaha Sampler. You get 57% savings. You get 12 burgers for free. You can't go to the grocery store and buy all this food at this price or this quality. OmahaSteaks.com. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, let's go to Bill. Welcome to the program, Bill. How are you? Hey, thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Sure. Uh, I'll tell you, I was. Uh, I need your media expertise. What in the heck are uh, are are actresses and actresses and and uh, news shows doing with this this love for Ukraine, which I get and we support, but they're having these these grand like I I, I lost it last night when I was watching something that runs with 50 minutes <laughs> and um, it's like this 20 minute love fest, but there's no solutions. There's no nothing. It's just like, 
what are we supposed to do about yeah, this? Yeah, okay. You, you know, know, I'm and, actually uh, glad you're, you're asking this question because this this is a, a frustration of mine. Uh, and, Bill, thank you for that. There, There is this, like, let's highlight all of this is bad. And if if the media is so into it's all bad, what do they want us to do about it? What are we supposed to – are we supposed to send our troops? You know, there's a poll out there, and this is why I don't like issue polling. Ah, this – this is it, – it's the – I always keep this clip on standby so that I can play this clip for you. Charlie knows what clip this is. I, I'm not a good – I'm not a fan of issue polling. Now, I got my druthers these days, and I used to be the, the last big defender of, of opinion polling on politics, and it, very clearly it was wrong, and, and we've had pollsters on to talk about it and stuff, and that's why I tell you always pay attention to the trends in polls. And the, the public opinion polls of do you want Biden or someone else, what do you think of Biden, do you want Republicans or Democrats, those polls you can kind of get. But the issue polling, the issue polling is always terrible. Never rely on the issue polling. So a majority of Americans, not a plurality, but a majority. Now, what's a plurality? Plurality is you got 48% say do this, 38% say do that, and the rest say they don't know. The plurality is 48%. You're not a majority. You're not over 50%, but you are the largest group of the poll. The majority is you're over 50%. A majority of Americans, something like 56% of Americans, support us imposing a no-fly zone over Ukraine. A majority of Americans support us imposing a no-fly zone over Ukraine. How many people do you really think know what a no-fly zone is? Do they think it's civilian or military? Let me ask that question another way. So a majority of Americans say... Should the United States impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine? Majority of Americans say yes. Let me ask that question a different way. Should the United States send American fighter pilots and soldiers to kill the Russians? Because that's what it would take for a no-fly zone. And I bet most Americans would say no. Public opinion polling on issues is bad in large part because people are stupid, but also because of the way questions are asked. You can ask questions in different ways and get different responses. Yes, Prime Minister. It was the show I watched as a kid. Uh, I grew up in Dubai. British comedy was a thing. Yes, Prime Minister is a classic. This does better at explaining polling on issues than anything anyone could ever give you. He's going to say something new and radical in the broadcast. What, that silly grand design? Bernard, that was precisely what you had to avoid. How did this come about? I shall need a very good explanation. Well, he's very keen on it. What's that got to do with it? (laughs) Things don't happen just because prime ministers are very keen on them. Neville Chamberlain was very keen on peace. (laughs) (laughs) He he thinks thinks it's a vote winner. Ah, that's more serious to done. What makes him think that? Well, the party who had an opinion poll done, it seems all the voters are in favour of bringing back national service. Well, I have another opinion poll done showing the voters are against bringing back national service. <laughs> we can't be for it. Oh, of course they can, Bernard. Have you ever been surveyed? Yes. Well, not me, actually. My house. Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> well, Bernard, you know what happens. Nice young lady comes up to you. Obviously, you want to create a good impression. You don't want to look a fool, do you? <laughs> no. No. So she starts asking you some questions. Mr. Woolley, 
Are you worried about the number of young people without jobs? Yes. Are you worried about the rise in crime among teenagers? Yes. Do you think there's a lack of discipline in our comprehensive schools? Yes. Do you think young people welcome some authority and leadership in their lives? Yes. Do you think they respond to a challenge? Yes. Would you be in favour of reintroducing national service? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, I suppose I might. Yes or no? Yes. Of course you would, Bernard. After all you've told you, you can't say no to that. <laughs> so, they don't mention the first five questions and they publish the last one. Is that really what they do? Well, not the reputable ones, no, but there aren't many of those. <laughs> so, alternatively, the young lady can get the opposite result. How? Mr. Woolley, are you worried about the danger of war? Yes. Are you worried about the growth of armaments? Yes. Do you think there's a danger in giving young people guns and teaching them how to kill? Yes. Do you think it's wrong to force people to take up arms against their will? Yes. Would you oppose the reintroduction of national service? Yes. <laughs> there you are, you see, Bernard. The perfect balanced sample. So, we just commission our own survey for the Ministry of Defence. See to it, Bernard. There, I mean, that, that really, that is the best explanation of issue poll. It's all about how you ask the questions. It's all about it. So when a majority of Americans say they support a no-fly zone over Ukraine, that's all well and good. But when you ask them, are you willing to commit American soldiers and fighter pilots to kill the Russians to keep the no-fly zone, then suddenly no. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to, to the caller's point, we're hearing a lot of bad stuff out of Ukraine. What's the solution? Well, the Biden administration is... They're thinking about sanctioning Russian oil now, but the Europeans are opposed to it because they're so reliant on it. They're not thinking about uh, domestic drilling here, so we're going to continue to be relying on the situation. There's no pressure really being brought to bear other than the sanctions right now. We're not doing anything else. Now, concurrent to this, there are some pro-Putin apologists on the right. Well, I guess I shouldn't say they're on the right. They, they pretend to be, but I don't think they really are. There are pro-Putin apologists out there, and they say President Zelensky is trying to get us into World War III. He's such a bad man. He's trying to get us into World War III. We need to. We shouldn't stand up to Putin. Putin boots strong, and we don't want to go to war with him. President Zelensky's not trying to get the world into World War III. He's trying to save his country. He's trying to save his country. And it could go beyond his country. Stephen Hadley was national security advisor in the Bush White House. Here he is on TV this morning. Uh, you know, you never know. Uh, and, you, you know, I remember I, I woke up at 4.30 in the morning uh, someday last week thinking about uh, the Sudetenland. And remember, Hitler claimed right. the Sudetenland. Mm -hmm. And at the time when he got it through the Munich Agreement, he said, this completes my territorial ambitions in Europe. And, of course, that was not the case. We don't know. The kinds of scenarios you worry about is, for example, Kaliningrad, Russian territory, separated from Russia, separated from Belarus by Poland and Lithuania. Does he decide if he reconstitutes this Russian empire, this confederation between Belarus, Ukraine and Russia? Does he decide that Kaliningrad really needs to be connected up with Mother Russia, and that means punching a corridor over Polish and Lithuanian territory. Yeah. Members of NATO, that invokes Article 5, 
raises the, the issue of a confrontation, if not war, between Russia and NATO. Mm. You know, serious I, business. Yeah, I, yeah, it is serious business. We don't know what he's going to do, but we know we probably don't need to get super involved here. Here's Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State. Chuck, I spoke to the, uh, the president and the cabinet, the leading members of the cabinet, about this uh, just yesterday uh, from Europe. And we are now in, uh, in very active discussions with our European partners uh, about banning the, uh, the import of Russian oil uh, to our countries, while, of course, at the same time, maintaining a steady uh, global supply of, uh, of oil. Uh, the actions we've taken to date have already had a devastating impact on the Russian economy. We see uh, the ruble in freefall. Uh, we see uh, the uh, economy heading into a, a deep recession. Uh, we, uh, we've already had a major impact, but uh, we are looking, uh, again, as we speak, yeah. in coordination with allies and partners, at this prospect so, of banning oil imports. Europe says it's not going to, but we might still do it here in this country. I think we should. Yes, gas prices will go up more, but I think it's the right thing to do. Here's Blinken as well on this idea of a no-fly zone over Ukraine. No, that that, that gets a green light. In fact, we're talking uh, with uh, our Polish friends right now about what we might be able to do to backfill uh, their needs if, in fact, they choose to provide these fighter jets to to the Ukrainians. Uh, what could we do? How can we help to make sure that... Uh, they get something to backfill the planes that they're handing over to to the Ukrainians. We're in very active discussions with them about that. Look, I've been in, in, in Europe for the last couple of days working closely, as always, with our allies and partners at NATO, uh, the European Union, uh, the G7 countries. And all of us together are continuing to take steps to increase the pressure uh, on Russia through uh, additional sanctions, all of which are very actively under discussion and will be implemented in the uh, in the coming days, as well as uh, taking further steps to give uh, the Ukrainians um, what they need to defend themselves against the Russian aggression. So we're going to allow now the planes from Poland to go to Ukraine. We are not going to fly them ourselves, and we will backfill any Polish planes that go we will back for that. That's that's good, and it's what we should be doing. It's amazing it's taken us that long to get there. And while all of this is happening, we're starting to have real, e- even more economic concerns in this country. Two clips from CNBC. First, this is Jim Cramer. Except for the obvious, uh, every single commodity going through the roof, and that's not transitory. And that's going to be something that's with us for a long time. Inflation is transitory. Here's one more. I'm actually more concerned about the, the drag from the, the rising prices. And so real wages have been declining. They probably declined again last month. Some, some of that would have been due to compositional issues, as, as Steve mentioned. But it's going to be hard to sustain personal consumption expenditures at the level that we've been seeing, given the price pressures. Yeah, look, uh, all of this stuff is going to cause recessionary pressure in addition to interest rates going up. But interest rates have to go up because of all the inflation. Interest rates help bring slow the economy down, thereby uh, reducing the amount of money into the economy, which reduces inflation. It's all necessary. It's, it's unfortunate. We don't want to be in this situation, but it's necessary that we're in this situation. That's part of the problem here. There really isn't an easy answer here for anybody right now. And one of the lessons that we should learn from this that I don't think our policymakers on either side of the aisle are going to learn from this is we should not be making 
decisions that weaken our financial health. You yourself right now should not be doing what the American government's doing, been doing. You should not be weakening your financial health. You should be paying off debts as best you can, not racking up new debts, working on a family budget. That's something I got to do. Y'all, I don't have a family budget and I got to do one. All this economic turmoil just just makes me fret, makes me worry. And I keep telling y'all, don't worry. And I can't practice what I preach because, I mean, my, my personal family motto is why pray when I can worry. And I got to get out of that. But right now, the things that you can do, focus on those things, which are making sure your house is in fiscal order, unlike the United States. And it's something our policymakers need to learn as well. One way you can get your house in order financially is to consider doing business with Patriot Mobile. They are a uh, conservative cell phone company, and they want to do business with you, and they give you great discounts. If you're a veteran, first responder, teacher, NRA member, you get great discounts from Patriot Mobile, and they give a portion of their profits to the conservative movement. So they fight the fight you want fought, and they share your values. They're on your side, and if you use my name, you get free activation with them. You can port over your old, your existing number, get a new number, bring over an unlocked phone, get a new phone from them. They work, they're great, and they have the same cell service everybody else does. They use the same tower, so you don't have to worry about that. What you do is you go to patriotmobile.com slash eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT. Do that, save some money, do business with a great company. Well, for those of you who want to look for signs of the apocalypse, the Seshoseki, it has cracked in half. It's a rock in NASA, Japan said to have imprisoned the evil nine-tailed fox demoness, Tamamo no Mei. The rock has been broken in half. It's nearly a thousand years old. And now the rock is shattered. The demon fox is on those. Actually, there are several other rocks that have to be broken. But it's the beginning of the end if we believe this. Hmm. Y'all listen. Again. Shouldn't fret about the end times, even though the demon fox vixen is on the loose in Japan now after a thousand years of being captured in a rock that split open for no reason whatsoever. On the same day, a giant cloud appeared above Mount Fiji that looked like a skull. Pay no attention to it. <laughs> now, I'm actually not making that up about the cloud either. It, 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 it sent people into a frenzy in Japan. There's this big cloud over Mount Fiji that just kind of held there and looked kind of like a skull. It's all very Harry Potter-esque, you know. It's like a horcrux. Apparently, you got a couple other rocks that have to shatter for the demon uh, vixen to, to actually be released. But you never know. They could shatter. I wonder if she'll be on Ukraine's side or Russia's side. I don't know. People are so concerned about this sort of stuff, and I'm just not sure that uh, there's anything in our control so I just don't know that we should worry about it. What you should worry about is that Republican unforced errors threaten their path to the Senate. This is just starting to frustrate me. The number of good Republicans who can win to take back the Senate are being obstructed in large part by Donald Trump and, and his supporters, and it's so frustrating. Doug Ducey in Arizona could win that seat, but Donald Trump doesn't like him. In Georgia, Herschel Walker is going to win, and the Democrats are going to have a field day with him. 
and do their best to destroy him. Now, I think Herschel can still win because of popular name ID and stuff, but it's going to be a nasty, nasty fight. In Ohio, the Republicans are beating each other up. In Pennsylvania, they are too. It's just a nasty situation there. Uh, Nevada, one of the bright spots is Adam Laxalt. The whole of the GOP has rallied around uh, Adam Laxalt in Nevada. And I, he's going to be able to pull it off, I think. And uh, listen, Adam Laxalt is a good dude. Really like him a ton. And he's getting a massive influx of Hispanic support in Nevada, which is huge. A lot of people don't like his opponent. Uh, she's She's been a far-left progressive Democrat who hasn't really campaigned on the ground. So there's there's hope there. But we should be able to beat Mark Kelly in, in Arizona. Doug Ducey, the polls all show would be the best, and he's bailing on it because of Trump. In Pennsylvania, you got Dr. Oz jumped into the race, and uh, hopefully he will be beaten. In in Ohio, they're all trying to perform so heavily to get Donald Trump's endorsement that they're starting to alienate people. And then there's Eric Greitens in Missouri. My gosh, Eric Greitens, why do Missouri Republicans always pick the worst person? Even Josh Hawley. Is standing up. He used to be the uh, Missouri Attorney General, prosecuted Eric Greitens or investigated it. And he's like, this is a disaster. He's gone in. I think Vicki Hassler is, is the candidate. He's endorsed. Josh Hawley knows what he's doing. I think we probably want to get behind him. He won Missouri. You don't want to go down the path of Eric Greitens. That race needs to consolidate. Please, Missouri, spare us. Don't do the Todd Aiken thing all over again. My gosh, Republicans are their own worst enemy at this. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.